Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Fluelling. Well, um, we will talk about COVID-19 a little bit today and also um, the unrest in the streets, the toppling of monuments, uh, chaos, tumult, all sorts of things. However, it is Independence Day. Uh, Happy Independence Day to all of you out there in the United States of America. Um, Little known fact, uh, a lot of people think the Declaration of Independence was... uh, totally wrapped up um, on July 2nd. That's when uh, Congress decided to declare their independence on July 2nd, 1776. But uh, we do celebrate the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. That's when the um, all the final edits and changes were agreed upon um, and the, uh, the ink was drying and July 4th was the date that uh, we declared our independence. Um, I thought I would start uh, before we get into all that other crazy nonsense that just keeps coming at us with um, reading a little bit from my book, Reshaping America. Um, This is actually chapter one. It's called The Founding of Our Nation. And it says, on July 4th, 1776, the American colonies proclaimed that they were free and independent states, no longer subject to English rule. They had suffered enough abuse at the hands of the king. Let's look at the first two paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence so we can get a better understanding of why our nation was founded. And this is something that um, we should all revisit from time to time, and some of us should uh, look at it for the first time because it is unfortunately not taught in our schools. Um, and that's a sad thing. I remember way, way back in the day I gave my, uh, my kids third grade teacher, like 25, uh, little pocket declaration of independence constitution of the United States of America. I think I got it from the, uh, Cato Institute. You can get them from all over the place, but these are really nice. And she was absolutely thrilled thrilled. I mean, who would have thought, you know, you're, you're teaching your kids about the founding of the nation and, and, um, you know, we, we don't have those at our fingertips. So I, uh, I gave them to her. She disseminated them to the class and she was, uh, absolutely thrilled to get them. And later on, I mean, that was third grade later on in high school, I was going to do it again in an AP class where, um, my kids were, um, you know, uh, learning about the Constitution, and eh, it didn't didn't uh, didn't go over so well with the <laughs> with the teacher. Um, she said, "Yeah, thanks for the offer, but uh, I, I kind of got this." So um, anyway, let's look at the first two paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence, and we'll get a better working understanding of what was going on at the time when, in the course of human events. It becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal 
that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Let's read that one again. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely so affect their safety and happiness. Um, safety is, is something that, uh, is of import today. And we'll get to some of these crazy stories in a moment. Um, Plenty of people in this country do not feel safe uh, for a whole host of reasons. I will conclude with uh, my paragraph in this book, Reshaping America, that I wrote probably about four years ago um, to just kind of sum up my thoughts. Uh, I, I wrote at this point in time, the uncharted and exhilarating journey upon which the fledgling nation was about to embark was bold, to say the least. In 1776, Nations were basically guided or more accurately ruled by tyrannical or quasi-benevolent dictators or despots. A declarative statement by any group demanding input into how they were to be governed was unheard of. Furthermore, for this insolent and ungrateful band of misfits to assert that they were endowed by their creator with unalienable rights and that the king or any other system of government was only as powerful as the govern allowed them to be, was not only revolutionary, but at the time absurd. In the Declaration of Independence, the colonists asserted that they were on solid moral ground, God being the arbiter of morality. As they broke away from a government which did not respect their God-given rights, this was a radical departure from the traditional relationship between government and the governed. So I, I think that is a great foundation for, uh, you know, where we launch today in the uh, on the reshaping America show, because there is all sorts of craziness going on in the culture out there. And, um, you know, people that are illiterate to the history of this nation, um, indifferent to the laws that we have are really conflating a lot of things and they, they feel that they are on some solid ground doing some of the things that they're doing out there. And they just, they certainly are not. And, um, leads me to some of the whacked, um, you know, comments by Chris Cuomo, uh, the CNN anchor that we, uh, uh, kind of make fun of from time to time in a, in a loving way, because we are Christians. Um, this article says, uh, and, and they quoted Chris Cuomo a few weeks ago saying, um, please show me where it says protesters are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Well, Mr. Cuomo, I will show you that. Um, First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble 
and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So our friends on the left won't stop there. They will, uh, first of all, I don't think folks like Chris Cuomo have a pocket constitution. I don't really think they care about the constitution. I think the constitution to those folks is, as we have heard many times, a living, breathing document. And as it pertains to the debate uh, that we hear today, it was made, it was written and uh, forwarded by a bunch of uh, bigoted slave owner white guys, um, which is um, true to a degree. And um, I'm not real proud of that. In my book, I do, I, I come right out of the chute saying, um, you know, uh, naming names and, and, uh, throwing, you know, um, just a wet blanket on this, um, I don't know what it would be, this nationalistic notion that all of our forefathers were as pure as the wind-driven snow. Some of them were scoundrels, um, and many of them were uh, God-fearing individuals, and um, a fair amount of them, but not as many as I would have liked. Uh, did not have slaves and uh, abhorred slavery. But to whitewash this whole thing, excuse the pun, and say, you know, they were they were pretty decent um, across the board, God-fearing people that hated slavery and didn't own slaves is is not true. It's just, and, and we cannot have a discussion, we can't have a discussion in this country anyway about anything these days for a whole sorts of uh, emotional reasons, but to um to assert that that um you know what i just said was accurate as far as um our our forefathers being just absolutely wonderful individuals is just a stretch um it would be equally disingenuous to assert that these were um you know racist maniacs that that did not um for the most part, want uh, all men to be created equal, and I and I throw Jefferson under the bus for for his um, his statement um, wanting all men to be created equal and have equal rights when he owned slaves. I I think that's disingenuous. I I just simply do. Um, by and large, our uh, forefathers were decent human beings, and um, they respected all. Uh, humanity, but some of them did not. And, and we can't, you know, we can't go one way or the other too far or the discussion never gets off the launch pad. There's a lot of people, particularly the types of people that are um, rioting in the streets and uh, destroying property and, and, you know, giving store owners and uh, merchants beatdowns uh, in, in plain view of, of police officers those individuals feel that the uh, our forefathers that um, forwarded these notions uh, 244 years ago uh, were largely all racist and all um, people of of no moral character whatsoever. And this whole constitution thing has to be blown up and rewritten. Um, that they are entitled to that opinion in the United States of America. They are um, profoundly incorrect. But um, if, if they feel that way, and there's enough folks that do feel that way, we have mechanisms in place that can blow up any constitution, a state constitution or federal constitution, uh, any of these things. 
But um, we have to come to the table, honestly. And um, as I have said, I don't know, maybe a million times on this show, uh, I, I'm uh, and, and maybe I'm just being cynical and I've never was a cynical person. I was always very optimistic uh, of, of the rank and file American individual out there. But um, maybe I'm being cynical lately when I state that that sliver of individuals, regardless if you have an R, a D or an I next to your name, regardless if you're a liberal or conservative, that actually looks at issues and cultural challenges today objectively and honestly without the spin um is really starting to winnow down to a very um very small percentage and that really concerns me because as i've said a thousand times on this show if your guy i.e donald trump happens to be on the right side of an issue um you're going yeah 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 but when he is um doing executive orders left, right, and crazy, which he has the constitutional right to do. It's, it's highly unconservative, if that's even a word. But um, uh, if, if he has the ability to do that, then at some point in time, um, he's going to be on the wrong side of issues. And he has been. And, and the Trump bots out there are largely silent when he is. So um, you can't throw Barack Obama under the bus for executive orders, although he he operated um, extra constitutionally quite often. Um, but you can't say, you know, his uh, he operates like a king just because you don't like what he is forwarding. And then when your guy uh, with an R next to his name operates that way. You can't just say he's a great conservative because that's just not true. And 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 when when we do this, we cannot objectively look at the issues of the day, and we just can't. And we can't speak to one another. We're screaming at one another. Um, people are uh, physically harming other people, destroying property. Uh, where are we as faith-based voters, as born-again Christians? And wh what does Jesus want us to do? WWJD, right? What does he want us to do in these tumultuous times? Um, do we do we bow at the altar of republicanism or, uh, or uh, how the words social justice have been so co-opted by folks on the left and and they've plugged Jesus conveniently into that and says Jesus would do this and do that when he certainly would not if he was walking the face of the earth. Um, what do we do? We go to James 1, 5, which I've quoted on this show many times, and we ask the Lord for wisdom and he will give it to us abundantly. And we, we have to be steeped in the word of God. First and foremost, God will never let us down. Um, our, our favorite Democrat or Republican will eventually let us down. Our favorite politician, entertainer, um, sports figure, they will fall. They will let us down. Um, uh, they're human. Our, our father up above will never let us down. Jesus Christ, his son will never let us down. The Holy Spirit, when we call on him for guidance, the great helper, will never let us down so first and foremost we have to be fundamentally steeped in the word of god in order to look at these issues um, and discuss these things with people that we may not agree with 
Um, and I hope I'm wrong as far as the, the culture. Um, but when, when you have people on the run that are for, um, law and order, crazy old fashioned concepts, right? When you have police, when you have, you know, the executive branch of any state or, um, municipality, looking the other way, telling police chiefs to stand down while crazy people burn, occupy, and then subsequently burn your precinct. Um, Jesus isn't down with that. I mean, this is insane. Uh, and, and, and when, when you have a, a construct like that, where clearly wrong headed people are doing crazy things and good people that could be standing in their way and have the um, the constitutional authority and power and letter of the law to to protect the vast majority of individuals out there that are playing by the rules. If they're looking the other way, we got big problems. And, uh, you know, kind of leads me into my first story here. I, I don't know if you guys watch this. I uh I don't watch a lot of television. You know, I'm, I'm not a political hack. I may comment on these things, but I'm I'm nowhere near what I used to be. I have family members that um, listen to talk radio all day long and flip on the TV. And at night, they're just watching uh, the talking heads from seven o'clock till midnight. And then they just get up and do it the next day. I, I can't do that. I have a life. Um and if I didn't have a life, my blood pressure certainly couldn't take that degree of, of saturation of, of crazy political talk. I just couldn't do it. And, you know, I, I get it. I used to be a political junkie. Um, I just don't do it anymore. Um, I, I like to prepare for the show. I like to disseminate information. I like to give you guys my thoughts. But, um, you know, I, I can't obsess with this stuff. So first and foremost, I, I don't watch a lot of television or listen to a lot of talk radio. I listen to some talk radio. I enjoy it. Uh, I do it. I've done it for 17 years and um, I do watch uh, some stuff at night, but not a lot. Uh, however, I did catch and I don't usually catch um, Sean Hannity's show. Um, I do uh, full disclosure. I, I really do enjoy Tucker Carlson. Um, he's basically about it for me on TV. Um, Mark Levin's pretty good, but um, I'm not a big Fox fan. Uh, I, I think Fox went south on conservatism. Um, not that they're supposed to be conservative or liberal. They Their tagline is, we report, you decide. Um, but they clearly made a stand probably about, um, you know, 10 to 15 years ago that they were going to support um, Democrat-like um, candidates uh, that were Republicans, and they were going to slap around pretty good conservative Republicans. Um, that was, you know, about the time I, I bailed on the, the Republican Party and said, you know, this is kind of pointless. We have Democrat, we have Democrat-like. There's really not a, a dime's difference between these guys. But that's when I kind of bailed on Fox. But, um, I mean, long-windedly, I'm giving you a big preamble here defending myself um, for watching Sean Hannity. I, I do not do it very often, but I I watched Tucker Carlson's show and it just shot into Sean Hannity, kept the TV on. And very soon 
I saw uh, just a gut-wrenching, maybe you saw it, a gut-wrenching video or or interview of uh, the father of a slain teen at the uh, CHOP. um, uh, For those that don't know what CHOP is, uh, it's the Capitol Hill organized protest in Seattle. Um, Many other names for this uh, best way I could describe it, this just insane anarchist um, no cop zone um, where warlords and armed individuals uh, that are extraordinarily hostile to the police and and others of of differing thought are just roaming in this um, in this area and it's very frightening and we we did touch on it the death of or, or some of the shootings on the last show but this individual happened to be the father of a chop shooting victim and he speaks out and the article says emotionally on Sean Hannity um, saying, all I know is my son is dead. And um, his uh, colleague that was with him, I mean, it's, it's always good to go on these things if you're very emotional with somebody to support you. And this individual was there supporting him and, um, and I'll get to his name in a moment. I can't recall it. Uh, the, the, the father was uh, Horace Lorenzo Anderson, who was the father of the 19-year-old uh, African-American individual that was shot at CHOP. And um, and that w- we did touch on that, that uh, the police and paramedics were racing to the scene because they got a 911 call. And the anarchists would not let them deliver first aid to this individual um if anybody had any guts these days and that is a big if the individuals and they are clearly identified on video and i've seen some feds on television um touting the fact that they are systematically reviewing um audio and video all across the country and and prosecuting a number of individuals that are um you know, perpetrating chaos and mayhem on the rest of us. Uh, these individuals that stop these police officers and these paramedics, they're clearly on, um, on video doing this. And, and, and if anybody had any guts and they do not in the, um, mayor Jenny Durkin and the, uh, governor of Washington and, and several others, they have no guts. Um, they would prosecute, this these individuals that um uh hindered police and paramedics from coming to the aid of this young man who his life was snuffed out as a teenager and they should be charged um with whatever crime that is and i i I think it certainly is a crime if somebody is coming to render first aid to a dying person and you are uh, thwarting that effort there has to be laws on the books to uh to prevent that from happening if indeed um there are i don't have a lot of faith that they will be um used but Again, they they do have these individuals on television, on on and video, um, telling the cops, "You're not welcome here." I don't I don't care. And the paramedics, they're not going to go into a war zone and get shot. Um, is altruistic and as um, 
clinically uh, talented as they are. I mean, who, who's going to risk that? You know, you have wives and kids and, and family at home. Why would you do that? So um, the paramedics aren't going anywhere without the cops. The um, warlords at CHOP are not allowing the police to come in. And this man subsequently dies because he, he did eventually get um, sent to the hospital. But the it is undeniable that his death was um, was was definitely hastened by the fact that paramedics could not get to this gentleman uh, in time. Um, you know, it, it's uh, I can read a little of this, but if you watched it, it was absolutely horrible to watch this interview of, of this uh, aggrieved father. Um, he says, they need to come talk to me and somebody needs to come and tell me something because I still don't know anything. An emotional Anderson told host Sean Hannity, somebody needs to come to my house and knock on my door and tell me something. I don't know anything. All I know is my son got killed up there. And um, he goes on to say, the only way I found out was just two of his friends that happened to be up there and they came and told me and they weren't even from Seattle. Um, and now he says, now, mind you, I have not heard from the police department or the uh, mayor or anybody. They never came to my house. Now, Sean Hannity was absolutely floored by that. Talk about um, insult to injury. Um, you know, and, and you know, it, it's absolutely, it's painful to recall this interview. And if anybody had a pulse, you'd be crying watching this gentleman crying because, um, you know, he goes on to say that they wouldn't even let him identify uh, his son for the longest of times. Didn't he? Didn't even know. He, he said it perhaps could not even be my son. You know, maybe I'm 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 down here, um, in error. Please let me see my son. And and nobody did that for the longest of time. And then nobody gave the 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 uh, the cursory uh, decency to to go to the gentleman's house and say, you know, I'm so sorry on behalf of the city. Um, your son has died. This is what happened. Da 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 da. Nothing. And until he gets on television and starts doing a few interviews, does anybody really even care? And it really, it kind of underscores um, what I believe, uh, you know, white liberals in this country um, have, have perpetrated this feigned concern for African-Americans is... Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't know the hearts and the minds of every white liberal in the United States of America, particularly politicians. But I will tell you, it is very noteworthy that Mr. Anderson said, my son needed help and I don't feel like anybody helped him. I feel like he doesn't without this, he would not he would just be a nobody. He just it doesn't matter. He's just another guy, just another child swept under the rug and that's it and forgotten about. And I think Mr. Anderson's lament is really at the corner of the problem in this country. If you are a victim of crime and that crime and the circumstances of that crime um, are tailor made to garner more votes, power and money, 
then you're at the top of the list. If you are a victim of crime and the particulars, if you will, of that crime do not uh, suit a narrative that will for further your career as a Democrat in this country, either at the local, regional, state, or federal level, then as Mr. Anderson asserts, nobody cares. And he's right. Um, I mean, we, we've all heard on numerous occasions of the um, just massive numbers of young African-Americans that are slaughtered in Chicago um, weekly. Nobody cares. Uh, and that's 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 horrible. And the reason nobody cares is because the narrative, um, the particulars, if you will, the circumstances by which they are dying. If anybody looked at those circumstances critically, um, right in the mix would be Democrats, Democrat policies, um, all sorts of things that have Democrat fingerprints on them. So those victims of crime and all sorts of other chaos are, are simply um, forgotten. And Mr. Anderson's son is forgotten for the simple reason that his death came at the hands of a bunch of anarchists, liberal media and liberal politicians um, uh, and the mayor in, in uh, Seattle here at, at the fore of this um, were very, very sympathetic to the um, chaotic anarchist in this um, little village, whatever you want to call it. And um, they were fine with uh, self-policing and, and being hostile uh, to police who tried to come and clean up this area. So this poor gentleman's um, death at the hands of other anarchists is is not a blip on the radar screen and it and it's it, it's not because it wasn't horrible i think it was horrible i cried when i watched the the poor guy lamenting the death of his son and why it didn't have to happen but politicians um if they are not helped politically economically uh if their power base if their um isms or entities are not forwarded by a narrative they simply don't give a crap and it's it's kind of ironic that um the governor uh her house was surrounded by anarchists and and in pretty short order the police did come in and shut down chop and cleaned it up now the question is why was that not done um stat um weeks ago just to me, cynical talk show host. I think it's because nobody gives a rat's rear end about the poor African-American kid that gets killed. But the white liberal who has her um, home and her person threatened by the same anarchist, well, we're not going to tolerate that. So people sit on their hands when it doesn't affect them and they jump into high gear when it does. Um you know, Mr. Anderson at the end of his interview said, everything is in God's hands now. He said, God is going to take care of it. I feel like God is going to take care of me and he is going to take care of my son. Um, gut-wrenching stuff. Absolutely gut-wrenching stuff. Um, 
But we're living in a world where uh, we have selective outrage, where when certain things happen to certain individuals, and it doesn't matter if you're black or white, if a if your power base is not um, affected by that, or you can't get some political capital out of that, or as our friend, uh, former uh, Clinton uh, aide, and um, and um, uh, actually, I think he was a Clinton aide, but he certainly was an Obama confidant, uh, fa- former mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. So it's really not about the individual that gets killed or beaten down or their uh, 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 storefront gets vandalized or they're, they're looted or one way or another. It's not about the individual. The What happens in these war rooms or back rooms where you and I are not uh, privy to is how can we spin this? What political mileage can we get out of this? Can I get reelected? Can I get some coin out of this? Can I get some power out of this? And and that is what happens. And, um, you know, um, nobody was riding in the streets or chaotic in, in that respect. But uh, several years ago, as, as you all probably remember, the Duke lacrosse rape case where a um, an African-American lady with with some very serious mental health issues asserted she was raped by the Duke lacrosse team and without a modicum of due process, the liberal professors at Duke went into high gear um, writing uh, manifestos about how these uh, privileged white little Duke kids should be um, drawn and quartered. And um, before anything, before you could say um, innocent before, uh, you know, um, assumed innocent before guilty. Um, these kids were drummed out of school, kicked off the team, tarred and feathered. Um, and where I'm going with this is Mike Nifong, the uh, political hack at the time, the um, uh, attorney uh, or the prosecutor down there didn't care about this lady who subsequently um, all sorts of uh, forensics and uh, a video of, of people that she said um, did this heinous act uh, were uh, exonerated because they had video of being at Mac machines, um, you know, miles away. And the case started to um, unravel. But Mike Nifong did not care about this young lady and certainly didn't care about these kids at Duke. Um, he was up for reelection. It looked sweeter than candy to be on the side of um, someone that was disadvantaged of color and had a was a victim of crime, and it looked sweeter than candy to nail rich white young kids to the wall. Um, but you know something interesting happened then, and I'm not so sure it's happening too much now. Uh, the facts came out. And when this case unraveled and Mike Nifong was exposed for the for the heinous fraud that he um, was, I don't know if he's rehabbed his life, he was uh, not only reelected, but disbarred and, and skulked away in shame. 
um, for what he he did, and and the just the the um, the continued polarization of um, white people and black people in this country um, continues because there are countless people like Mike Nifong or the mayor of Seattle, or I, I can name a thousand of them in the next uh, half hour. Uh, they don't care about victims. They don't care about um, uh, black lives, white lives. They don't care about anything. They care about power. They care about how does this look for me? How is this spun for me? What can me and my family get out of this deal? And the rest of it be damned. So leads us to our next uh, article here. It says, Dean fired after saying black lives matter, but... Also, everyone's life matters in an email. Leslie Neal Boylan, the dean of nursing at the University of Massachusetts, uh, was allegedly fired after she received backlash from a student about an email to the campus community saying everyone's life matters. Um, Neil Boylan, who held her position with the school for almost a year before being dismissed on June 19th, wrote an email to the nursing school community addressing the ongoing protest across the country against police brutality and racial inequality following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. I am writing to express my concern and condemnation of the recent and past acts of violence against people of color. The email provided to Campus Reform dated June 2nd said, Recent events recall a tragic history of racism and bias that continue to thrive in this country. I despair for our future as a nation if we do not stand up against violence against anyone. Black lives matter, but also everyone's life matters. In a sane world, at another time, when emotions are not at a hypersensitive level, that statement um, is is pretty innocuous, pretty commonsensical, pretty logical. However, in a world where we read into everything, and we don't really have to, to be fair to, um, to this lady and the people that wanted her head on a stick, we don't have to read into a lot because there are racists that will uh, forward a knee-jerk reaction when they see Black Lives Matter and say, everyone's life matters. Um, they're not trying to um, start a dialogue. They're not trying to infuse some logic into the discussion. Um, when they say everyone's lives, lives matter, um, they're looking for a fight. And, uh, but we cannot assume when some reasonable lady here, and we find out later in the article, she's a liberal, um, says something that to all people that are mentally healthy, everyone's life matters. Uh, we can't assume that, that she is anything but, you know, a logical, decent human being. Well, um, she goes on to say, no one should have to live in fear that they will be targeted for how they look or what they believe. The email continues, urging the nursing school students to care for everyone, regardless of race, creed, color, religion, ethnicity, ability, or gender preference. Um, these are things other than the gender preference um, that Dr. Martin Luther King would, would 
clearly uh, espouse. He would not be for many of the nonsensical and chaotic and anarchist things that are going on today in this culture. Um, however, um, Mrs. Neil Boylan uh, was just the latest casualty because a nursing student took issue with the dean's choice of words and posted the email on Twitter saying, including the statement, all lives matter was uncalled for and shows the narrow-minded people in lead positions. Excuse me. Um, the tweet says, uh, an upsetting statement made by Dean of Nursing at University of Massachusetts, including the statement, all lives matter was uncalled for, shows narrow-mindedness, a sad day for nursing students everywhere at uh, University of Massachusetts. Dean Leslie Neil Boylan, here's the threat that always comes. Your words will not be forgotten because we do not have free speech in this country. Um, if you say the wrong thing, uh, look out. Um, after the termination, Neil Boylan reached out to the University of Massachusetts Chancellor Jacqueline Maloney, Provost Joseph Hartman, and Provost Julie Nash, accusing the university of using her email regarding Black Lives Matter as an excuse to fire her. It certainly was. She said she had spoken up about other unrelated school issues in the past, according to emails reviewed by Campus Reform. Her firing was attributable to one phrase in my initial email that otherwise was very clearly a message to not discriminate against anyone. To those students who were upset regarding my email, wouldn't it have been better to use that as a teachable opportunity to explain that leaders also make mistakes and use this as an example of why lifelong learning is so important, Neil Boylan wrote. I agree with Mrs. Neil Boylan here, but we don't live in that world. Um, if, if you can talk to somebody about an issue um, where you have an opposing view, um, I don't care if it's religion, politics, whatever, um, race, if you happen to be a different race from the person that you have some uh, differing opinions with, I think that's great. Uh, that cannot happen these days for a whole host of reasons because um, you are literally shouted down if you disagree with somebody, your books are burned, your speaking engagement is canceled, your property is destroyed, um, and your person and the person of uh, people in your family could be threatened, if not snuffed out, because of your thoughts. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Now, what's interesting, and I will conclude um, with this, is the dean added that she would not be pursuing legal action against the school because I know this would fuel the conservative opposition to the Black Lives Matter movement, and that would be an anathema to me. Um, anathema meaning, uh, for those of you that don't know, someone or something that one vehemently dislikes. So the anathema here would be the conservative movement. And although, and I'm not a suing type of a guy, I think people should work out their differences um, uh, amongst themselves, as the Bible says. But uh, this lady has a slam 
dunk case against the University of Massachusetts. And if she wants to be rich and retire, she's kind of looking like a middle-aged lady. Um, she certainly could. What she said was um, uh, a bit of a stretch if somebody wants to say that was inflammatory or insensitive or racist. Um, and I think a, a, a community college lawyer could get her some ching out of this one for being fired unfairly. However, um, Mrs. Neil Boylan being, uh, I'm assuming a liberal, as she says, she hates or vehemently dislikes, uh, conservative opposition to the black lives matter movement, um, is, is willing to fall on the sword and not, um, pursue any legal action, which uh, does underscore what many people are saying, um, if you provide the bully lunch money, that never ends until you stand up to the bully. And there are people, um, there are politicians all over this country, entities all over this country that are kowtowing to anarchists and people that destroy property and physically injure people because they are of different thought. And those people naively and ignorantly um, the mayor of Seattle having her house stormed. Um, the uh, I, I think we chronicled it on the show last week. A couple of very prominent liberals that restored a uh, a plantation, put millions and millions of dollars into their home. Uh, that was um, surrounded by anarchists that chanted that they will burn it down and they will be back. And those individuals, um, I believe, they're the McCloskeys. Um, they reached out to law enforcement. They reached out to private security firms and they were told, um, take the stuff on your back and run. That's basically what they were told. And, and you know, that that's, that's advice you get in a banana Republic somewhere, not the United States of America. And, um, so my point here is you have, and, and the McCloskey's are liberal Dr. Neil Boylan is liberal. Um, the mayor of Seattle is liberal. And anarchists do not care if you have an R or a D next to your name when they are chanting death to whomever, or they have pitchforks and uh, torches in their hand. They really don't, you don't stop them by saying, whoa, 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 uh, I'm a Democrat. They don't care. Um, so even though they don't care and they put Mrs. Neil Boylan, Dr. Neil Boylan's head on a stick for something that I felt was really not uh, rising to the occasion of firing somebody, um, she still, at the end of the day, is willing to fall on the sword and not sue the university because she feels that she will be a pawn for the uh, conservative right in the anti-Black Lives Movement, um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, situation, which is just amazing to me. It really is, but it, it's not surprising. It is amazing. Um, we move on. Uh, this is interesting. South Dakota uh, AG uh, Ravensborg, um, she says, Trump attendance at the Mount Rushmore fireworks is a defeat for cancel culture. Um, I printed a couple other articles just to give you 
a working understanding of um, you know how people of different political thought um, see the same um, story. So this is a story um, about Donald Trump uh, for the Fourth of July um, visiting Mount Rushmore, a fireworks display, to more or less reinforce to people in the United States of America that because there had been some rumblings, let's let's take down uh, or let's let's uh, vandalize Mount Rushmore, um, and he's basically saying not going to happen. I'm going to uh, attend a Mount Rushmore fireworks. And the uh, attorney general at South Dakota says this is a defeat for canceling the culture crowd. Now, two other entities, uh, Reuters, kind of looks at it a little bit differently. Reuters says Trump visit Mount Rushmore amid controversy, coronavirus concerns. And then CNN says... Trump set for another massive event during national pandemic. So this is this is two wildly different ways of seeing the same um, story. Um, Tammy Bruce has an article here. It says Trump prioritizing law and order with a move to protect monuments um, from mobs. And it says President Trump was elected in large part on the issues of law and order. It's been an issue for generations in this country as Americans have watched the decline of social cohesion after, or excuse me, ever since the left enjoyed sympathetic coverage by the mass media during the Vietnam War. What we are seeing today with riots, vandalism, and the wanton destruction of public property and art is a natural and cancerous outgrowth of the encouragement and coddling of leftists and their violent but farcical anarchy. Um, Miss Bruce really has a way of, with words here. That was, that was, um, that was very, uh, artfully, uh, and impactfully, uh, put forth there. The good news is we are seeing Mr. Trump emerge once again as the right man at the right time. After weeks of seeing chaos and anarchy unfold on the streets with no apparent response from law enforcement at any level, the White House and Department of Justice have begun to make it clear that there will be serious repercussions for those engaging in mob violence. Um, this should be a no-brainer, the article says, but the Republican Party has uh, has an historic problem known as no-spine syndrome. <laughs> the GOP has been scrambling for its blinky, or its binky, and hoping no one would knock on their door, not needing the help of sucklings, Mr. Trump stepped forward. Now, um, in defense of the Republicans out there, um, and I don't do this too often, uh, they are in a no-win situation. Um, you you can't you simply can't win um and if you can't win you might as well lead um but again as we uh touched on a few minutes ago they're no different than liberal democrats they want to be reelected they like their salary they like their perks they have to put their kids through college they have to buy their second third shore home so um they hide under the table too when um, it comes to leading on these issues. However, in fairness to them, whatever they do, they are going to be tarred and feathered 
and um, and just slapped around as they always are. They can't win for losing um, simply because we do have a liberal media that likes to slap around Republicans. So, again, I, I think it's quite logical to reinforce slash um, uh, enact or um, uh, execute laws that say you cannot defame um, monuments, rip them down and just just dance on them and, and this and that and the other. I think that's pretty logical, but Republicans are making a calculated um, gamble and they're kind of sitting on their hands right now and waiting for Donald Trump to get out there and, and do something as he usually is pretty fearless and he will do that because he knows the American people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, and we've said this on this show several times, um, law and order and safety and prosperity, they know no color. They know no um, economic strata. They know no political affiliation. They don't. You you go anywhere at any time and talk to anybody in any of the aforementioned groups that I just ticked off, and um, they want to be safe. They want to go to work. They want to make more money. They want to be compensated commensurate with the work they put forth. Um, uh, many in the audience are too young to to remember this, but um, for years when I was uh, a talk show host, I would I would say my government can be summed up in one tagline, if you will. And it was on the door of the uh, police car in the old series uh, in the early 70s uh, called Adam 12. Many of you that are under the age of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, 50 probably don't remember that. I was a little kid at the time, but on the door of the LA uh, PD police car, it said to protect and to serve. That is is a very succinct, accurate statement as it pertains to our government. They are to protect us and serve us. And we we um, you know read the declaration earlier in the show, and uh, it was unlike any document at the time, and still is uh, like un any document at the t- um, today, in which we the people. Um, have the right to expect our government to protect us and to serve us. And um, I, I guess the point I'm making here at the end of the show is Donald Trump is probably going to be reelected because at the end of the day, if this chaos and mayhem and uh, continues, um, and store owners are beaten down and people that are apolitical, they're not R's or D's or anything. They, they just want to, to safely board a Philadelphia SEPTA bus and go to work and get paid without um, all sorts of drama. Those individuals don't really care if you got a D or an R next to your name. If, if you are going to support law and order, which seems to me rather logical, um, 
that is that is something that appeals to all economic strata, all races, all uh, political persuasions. So that has always been my thought process. And I think at the end of the day, quietly, people will vote for Donald Trump, even though they may not like him too much. And that was very much the way it was in 2016. This is Reshaping America, Kurt Flewelling. Until next week, have a great day.